Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Arike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. And my co-host today from ABC 57, Allison Hayes, and we welcome you to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Tuesday, February the 20th of 2024. We've got two hours of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat coming your way this evening. We've got Notre Dame football conversation to get to. We've got a couple of guests at the bottom of this hour, an All-American guard from our area, Drew Lutz from Bethel College via Penn High School. He's going to join us at 5.30, senior night for the Pilots tomorrow night. Also coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, we'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer. The Irish picked up an offensive tackle. And Matty Augustine for the 2025 class, Mike will offer some thoughts on Augustine, the commitment of receiver Sean Terry, and Deuce Knight taking part in an Under Armour camp. All that coming up in our recruiting conversation, probably right around 6.10. And then at 6.30, Jake Taylor is going to join us, not the great catcher from the Cleveland Indians in the Major League movie, but (laughs) the Jake Taylor from Notre Dame, graduate student attacker, for the top-ranked and defending national champion Notre Dame men's lacrosse team. He was the player that scored the dramatic goal in the national semifinals in the spring with 32 seconds left to tie Virginia at 11. Irish won that game 12-11 and then beat Duke in the national championship game for the program's first national title. How's he doing this year? First two games, he's taken 10 shots. He has scored nine goals. So, if the ball is in his possession. It's going to go in the back of the net, more than likely. So Jake will join me at 6.30 here on WSBT Radio. Well, Allison, good to be with you. Beautiful day here in South Bend. We're above 50, so we can't complain 
a whole lot, so good to see you. Thank you. Glad to be back. Absolutely. We've got some things to get to, including our guest at 5.30. I do want to mention that Maddie Augustine did pick the Fighting Irish 17th commitment for the class of 2025. This is just remarkable. We're still in February, and they've got 17 commitments. Augustine is 6'7", 285, an offensive tackle from Greenwich, Connecticut, right now a three-star according to Rivals, the 40th best offensive tackle in the country. He had offers from schools like Alabama, Miami of Florida, Michigan, Ohio State, the who's who of college football, and he has chosen the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And Mike will have much more on this commitment coming up, but another 6-7 offensive lineman. There is no doubt you cannot be a small quarterback and play at Notre Dame because you can't see over these big offensive linemen that Coach Rudolph, Coach Denbrock, and Coach Freeman are bringing in to our university. So more on Matty Augustine coming up in just a little bit. Okay, let's get started with our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. Let's begin with this. Do you believe the athletic department at Notre Dame is more invested in getting whatever Marcus Freeman needs compared to last year or the year before? Well, you know, Brian Kelly complained in, in his departure about some things that he wasn't getting. And that was surprising to me because it seemed that he was getting everything that he could possibly want, including the Irish Athletic Complex, which mm-hmm. is just awesome. And the, the big thing that he cr- was complaining about was the nu- nutrition program. He wanted a chef. I, I don't He's know how much. That. Yeah, Well, yeah, Marcus <laughs> Freeman definitely has that now. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think they're definitely committed to getting Marcus what he wants. I think having um, the fund program and, and the NIL, all that collective stuff, um, is definitely going to work in Marcus Freeman's favor. I, I just I think that they're committed to moving the program in the right direction, and I think they have to in order to stay relevant. Unfortunately, some of those things that like you don't think are necessarily that important nowadays, yeah. they are, and you do have to keep up with the Joneses when it comes to facilities and locker rooms and practice rooms and and lounges and all of that stuff. And I think Notre Dame definitely has the backing and the financial means to give Freeman exactly what he needs to get that aspect of it done. Yeah, a year ago, I think a lot of us fans, media, whomever, were questioning it because of the offensive coordinator search. Why did things fall apart? Was it money? Was it buyouts? I don't think we'll truly ever know the answer to that. But fair or not, there just seemed to be a thought that, well, maybe the Irish aren't going all in on what Marcus Freeman wanted. Well, you can't say that now because Notre Dame has invested in their coordinators like they have never done before. They are paying top dollar for offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock and keeping around defensive coordinator Al Golden. If you're one of those people that were concerned if Notre Dame was all in, I think you have to say those concerns are gone because they have ponied up the cash to give Marcus Freeman two coordinators that he can leave alone. Say, go do what you need to do. Help me win games. Done. And that's exactly what Marcus Freeman needs, I think, to help bring him along as well. And yep. he's getting there. But having those two key pieces around him at the coordinator position is huge. 
Yeah, I think having someone up in the press box as a game manager might not be a bad thing yes. to throw some things off of in the heat of the moments, but I absolutely love the coordinators, and it's given Notre Dame a wonderful opportunity to have success in 2024. Second part of our Notre Dame football opening topic is this. Do you have a, any hesitation at all about any part of this Notre Dame football team that could cost them a college football playoff spot? Are you all in right now? You're feeling good. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. It's all going to work out. I think in theory, I, I'm feeling good in the <laughs> sense that I, I do think that they should make that the college playoff. I think they should be a top 12 team. Um, the, the, the little bit of concerns might be uh, – Coaching, in fairness, uh, with and with the progression that Marcus has made, just in terms of halftime adjustments and game management. But I think we'll continue to see him improve as he settles in, as he builds those uh, guys around him like he's doing with the experience that he's got. So I think that's all heading in the right direction. And then the other one is just the quarterback position and the consistency or lack of consistency there um so those would be my two biggest concerns I guess in terms of like if I think they're going to be making the playoffs but I do think that they're in the right position heading in the right direction and in theory I think they should make it into that top 12 no doubt I've kind of bundled two as well you mentioned one of them the quarterback position the great thing is about Riley Leonard I truly believe he has steps to take in being a more consistent thrower of the football and a more consistent decision maker, but he's got a great offensive coordinator that can get the most yes. out of him and use what he does well to help this offense be outstanding. If we were sitting here with status quo from last year, I would not be as confident, but I have the full trust of Coach Denbrock, and he will get the best out of Riley Leonard and this football team. Maybe my greatest hesitation is, I think we have to assume this is going to happen, but the offensive line has to take a step back from last year, knowing you lost right. two outstanding bookend tackles in Joe Alt and Blake Fisher. The inconsistent part of the line last year was the interior. Those are the guys that are back, and you've got some young pups battling for the starting positions at left and right tackle. I don't think any of us can sit here and honestly say that they think the offensive line is going to be better next year because right. you just you can't. can't replace those two that quickly. Do they have people in place that could become the level of a Blake Fisher? Of course, but it's going to take a progression. So how quickly the offensive line gets up to speed is going to be crucial. If you can just get by Texas A&M, mm. there is a window for about a month where you have a lot of winnable football games, and Joe Rudolph, Coach Denbrock, can continue to grow this offensive line to the point when they get to that part of the schedule where you can't just have average play, they're going to be ready to go. So get by A&M, then grow the guys as much as you can over the next few months, and We'll see what happens when Florida State comes to town. Well, and just speaking of coaching, of course, they announced that Max Bulla has been promoted. He is now officially the linebackers coach going from a grad assistant. I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on that hire or promotion. From what we've heard, they were highly excited about the way that as a grad assistant, he helped the linebackers. I believe Al Golden was quoted as speaking very highly of Max Bulla, so... 
If Al Golden thinks it's a good decision, I am not going to sit here and argue. I like it. I, I'm not. I don't. Not convinced. I can see your face. I'm not convinced by your uh, statement there, but I do like it. I think he was a, a really good player. Um, I think that he. In his day at Michigan State, I think that he had some troubles. I noticed that you uh, shared an article on Twitter X today yeah. about some of those troubles. But at the same time, while he made those mistakes, he who better than to be able to talk to these guys about making some stupid mistakes as a college kid? Uh, he was not able to play in the Rose Bowl his final year at Michigan State because of an undisclosed uh, violation of team policy. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, he can talk to those guys firsthand about living through that and making some dumb mistakes, but in terms of like the way he played, and then he's had some good tutelage. He was a grad assistant at Cincinnati. Yeah. He was a grad assistant at Alabama for a couple years, uh, and then now what he did at Notre Dame last year and working with guys like J.D. Bertrand, Maris Leofow, Jack Kaiser. So I, I think this is a step, a good step, obviously, for him. I mean, it's a huge promotion, really, yeah. to go from a GA to linebackers coach, but uh, they must believe in him. Sounds like other programs would have tried to take him away. Yeah. So you either give him the opportunity to become a position coach or lose him to another school that's going to give him that particular opportunity. And Mike Mickens, I mean, here's a guy that is a tremendous recruiter, and does an amazing job of developing corners. He's now taking over Chris O'Leary's duties. He's going to be just the defensive backs coach, handling corners and also safeties. He's also what the defensive pass game coordinator. So this guy's going to be a defensive coordinator yep. very, very soon, here, there, or somewhere. And that's why I have very little concern about all those duties. Coach Golden and Coach Freeman have spoke so highly of Mickens and it sure sounded like if Coach Golden left for somewhere else that Mike Mickens might have been ready to take over that spot. So This sort of helps get him in that yeah, position absolutely. for when that day comes. Mm -hmm. Also, on a quick side note, yeah. I do have um, a cool story that I shared from back this past fall on Max Bulla and yeah. his family connection. What an incredible family. And his grandpa, Jim Morse, on his mother's side, a former Notre Dame football player, a captain, and a fullback. His name, he's a benefactor. He, he has passed away. Uh, but his name is on the football field at Notre Dame Stadium. And uh, just a neat story about uh, Max, and you, you hear him reflecting on his grandpa and just uh, what a, a great influence he was on his life and yeah. his playing career. And I think you had a link to that story yeah. on Twitter? so you okay. can find that on uh, any of my social media accounts. All right, very good. Let's move along to Notre Dame women's basketball. They had a big third quarter, rallied to beat Duke 70-62. Hannah Hidalgo, 23 points. The Irish 9-5. In the ACC, a top 20 team. What are your Irish March Madness expectations? <sighs> I, you know, that's one of those where it's like, the, in I think that they are so good and so talented, but yet you see them make those pitfalls like NC State and some of their other losses that they've had this year. And so I think they've got to stay healthy, You've especially uh, uh, someone like Maddie Westbelt. You'd think it would be, oh, you want Hannah Hidalgo, you want Sonia. But I think they need that post presence. They That's the one thing that maybe isn't real consistent when she was out this season. So, And then if, if teams can kind of find that mold that NC State had to shut down Hidalgo, that could really hurt them come tournament time. She had a season-low 10 points and was scoreless in the entire first half in that game. So, in theory, you know, if Hannah is 
playing her best and she's able to shoot lights out like she has been throughout the season, then they're in good hands. But you want to keep Maddie Westbelt healthy. And then you've got Sonia in there who can kind of do a little bit of everything. And so I think they're an elite eight team. I think that should be sort of the standard. Anything above that, you're going to feel really good about. Um, Sweet 16, no doubt. Elite eight, yes. Final four, I'm not sure. They got to have the right path to get there and just kind of have all the things go their way. Yeah, I think they're a peak Sweet 16 team yeah. because they're going to be a four or five seed, which means you run into a one in the Sweet 16. And if you're in South Carolina's bracket, right, not going to be a whole lot of fun. So if they get the right number one, maybe Elite Eight, but I think with their interior play, they're a Sweet 16 right. team, even with the outstanding guard play of Hannah Hidalgo. Finally, St. John's under first-year head coach Rick Pitino, 14-12, 6-9 in the Big East. And they had a double-digit lead against Seton Hall over the weekend, and they let it slip away. And he had some things to say in the postgame about his team. We just lack toughness. We just don't move our feet on defense. Look, they, they shot 37 free throws. Throw out the stats. You see it every game, the amount of free throws they shoot and the amount of free throws we shoot. Look at what Naheem shot on the year. Look at what uh, Chris Ledlam shot on the year. I mean, you're a power forward. You play 29 minutes without a free throw. Uh, that means you're not offensive rebounding, not getting to the line. So it's it's really the, all the toughness things of why we give up leads. We are so non-athletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling. And really, it's not about losing. Because even in winning, winning when we watch the film, I see unathletic plays. I, I see people that don't handle the ball, that's just interested in taking quick shots. So it's been a disappointing year. If you had to do it over again, would you have attacked your first offseason differently? I had no choice. We just could take who we could get, who was available. We had no choice. Um, I don't think we were going to win the first year anyway, because when you rush like that and you don't see the players and you just, uh, not, not a whole lot we can do, but it's um, I think I've enjoyed, even even the Celtics when we lost, I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we lost in that following year, but this has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. Do you have any second thoughts of taking this job? No, not at all. It's not St. John's. It's my team. Look, I'm disappointed. I don't want to say the wrong things, but I'm really disappointed in my team. Did he go too far? Wow. Uh, you know you know what you're going to get when you hire Rick Pitino. That is him. I, I'm not saying I like it. I, the thing I saw on, on social media today, in contrast, was, well, Micah Shrewsbury entered into a very similar situation at Notre Dame. He also had a very similar press conference when he was really frustrated earlier in this season. He didn't specifically call out a a particular player, but he threw all his guys under the bus and told them if they didn't want to be here and be a part of it, he'd help them enter the transfer portal. So I don't know really what's so different about what Micah said compared to what Patino just said. And you do know that's him. That's what you're going to get with him. The thing I am interested in is, you know, you look at a Bob Knight, and he was – in that same realm and how are Patino's players going to respond to this now Notre Dame's players actually responded the best case scenario when Micah had that press conference and they came out and won that next game I don't know if Patino has those same guys but in this day and age 
I don't know that you can coach guys like that anymore because they, hey, you don't like it here? I'll enter the transfer portal. I'll go someplace else if they can. Um, so I, I, I didn't love it, I, I de- but I, you know, that is who he is, and that's what you hired. And you're also probably going to have a few uh, NCAA violations along the way too because that is his history. But you're going to probably win a lot of games. Competitive balance. Oh. It doesn't matter who you play. Everybody can beat you. And these dudes, like, they get up in the morning and they march. And they got some toughness to them. And we don't have toughness. And we wilted right away. But, that again, that starts with me. I got to change my approach. So we'll have a different approach. And we'll see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen on Friday. But if people don't compete, then you're going to see more walk-ons a lot more earlier than this. Because we're building a culture. And that ain't it. That is not the culture we're trying to build. So a message needs to be sent to some of these guys that, like, if you don't play hard, then you can sit and rot over there on the bench. And I'll, I'll find a way. I'll go and talk to the people in compliance. I will help you transfer. Because this culture is getting built the right way. And if you ain't a part of it, you're out. I applauded Micah when he said that, so I have to applaud Coach Patino and his comments. In fact, Micah was more angry. Rick was just kind of like having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Micah was was pretty ticked off there, and there was similar things being said between the two individuals. So, as someone that applauded Micah for his comments, I sure can't attack Patino for what he said. Maybe the only slight difference is you could see Micah taking some ownership yes. of it, whereas well Patino said. did not. And he definitely put it all onto his players. And, and yep. not St. John's. St. John's isn't the problem. It's the his team. They're the ones that stink. <laughs> he also, in that same conversation, was complaining about facilities, I believe, at St. John's, too. So he was throwing everybody under the bus, get him what he needs, or, or, or move else. on, right? That's yep. right. Yep. <laughs> Playing at Madison Square Garden, what an awful thing that must be. Yeah. Some of your games. All right, Allison, Darren with you, 527. We'll bring in an All-American guard into our conversation coming up next. He's a Penn alum and now a star at Bethel College. Drew Lutz coming up next on WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Okay, we're still waiting for our guest to call, so we're just going to jump ahead to our Twitter question of the day here on WSBT Radio. I'm Darren Pritchett with ABC 57's Allison Hayes. Our sports beat, InsideIndieSports.com. Twitter question of the day from Monday. You probably have heard EA Sports putting out their first college football game in a decade. So I throw out this hypothetical. If EA Sports came out with this new game and there was a Notre Dame Legend since 2000 themed cover. So you have to have been a part of the program since 2000 to qualify. Of these four choices, who would you choose? Now, I will say I had some responses. They didn't like my wide receiver choice. So I'll explain. I put Michael Floyd on the list over Jeff Samarja and Will Fuller. In my opinion, Michael Floyd was the best of the three. That's just my opinion. I think it could be widely debated. If you're looking for a speedster that goes deep, you go with Will Fuller. If you're looking for a baseball player, football player, you go with Jeff Samarja. You see what I'm saying? You, you can kind of find a reason to pick any of the three. But I went with Michael Floyd because, in my opinion, I think he was the best of the three. 
but we're splitting hairs too. Right. And I wouldn't pick the wide receiver anyway. Any of the wide receivers you just said, I wouldn't pick. I went over this all day long. I've been thinking about it back and <laughs> forth. I think the obvious one that probably most people would say is Brady Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, and back in 2007, I looked this up because I was trying to like look through a former covers and stuff over the years. And uh, he had a 97 rating in 2007, which was very obviously very, very good. But um, I actually would wow. like to go with Quentin Nelson because from my research I did, I don't believe they've ever had an offensive lineman on the cover. And that would be pretty cool. And he was pretty special of a player. so and, and just not one that you would necessarily think of. But I don't think they'll do just one player because there's been such a time sure. off. So I think they're going to have a couple different guys or several, maybe like a compilation of uh, former players or players over the years. Mm-hmm. So I'll be interested. And just in conversation too, which I mean, I'll let you answer sure. and, and let us know what everybody else picked. But I just think what a great... I'm so glad it's coming back. That was like from back in my day and it, you know, and it college days. And it's just, it was so fun and, and just such a thing to look forward to trying to be a part of for these players. And now that they actually are going to get paid, not much reportedly sure. only about $500 a piece because there's like 11,000 players that are included in this game. So to be fair, I mean, how do you yeah. pay that many guys? But I mean, just how cool is that to like be a current college football player and to be a part of this game and be able to play as yourself? Like, man, I, that is so cool to me. I, I just love it. And I'm so glad that Notre Dame was able to work it out to be a part of it. And all of the video and the sound and the audio that they've shared with EA Sports. It's, I, I'm looking forward to it. We were talking about it today at ABC 57 and how I cannot wait for us to put together like a cool feature story sure. on this because we're going to deep dive into it. And so you can look forward to that this fall because we'll definitely be doing something on it. I'm aging myself, but when I was in college at SIU, Edwardsville along Devoncourt, we had some massive college football tournaments using that game. Awesome. And I, re- I remember, remember using, this is the 90s, the Colorado Buffaloes triple option style attack. Oh, cool. And they had all those speedsters at running back. I think Rasan Salam would have been a running back at that time. So they ran the old option and... That's the way I won football games with the old option way back in the day. But, yeah, we had a blast in college playing that game. And I think a new generation is going to like it. I'm told it's different than the Madden game developers. Oh, There's been a lot of complaints about the Madden game for a good amount of time. The developers of that game are not involved in the NCAA game. Okay. Now, here's my question. How truly accurate are they going to make it? If you have a star wide receiver that has 100 catches and he's a sophomore, is he going to abruptly leave your program unless you find the NIL money? And and maybe if you're playing Notre Dame, you have so many millions of dollars to spend and you have to budget where the money goes. I mean, is that truly what's going to happen in the game? I think it should. They, are they making that a part of the game? Or That's you're what I'm just asking. Wondering? I think it should be. Oh my gosh, That's that would reality. be amazing. Yeah, that would be so cool. That would give people a real idea, too, of what it would be like in this day and age. Yeah. But that would really complicate things. Oh, yeah. It'd be <laughs> like an NFL salary cap in sure. Madden, but this would be like Alabama might have, I'm just throwing out a number, sure. $74 million to spend on NIL. Notre Dame might have 42. How do you make it work? Does your coach leave? <laughs> right before spring practice to go to the NFL. I mean, we saw Boston College head coach left. Look at Chip Kelly. 
yeah. left a head coaching job at UCLA to become an offensive coordinator at Ohio State. These are things that need to be in the game. These wacky things you never thought would happen. Folks, they're happening. The days of of college football being just ho-hum, it is dramatic. I, I'm telling you, I don't know how many coaches are going to be able to last No, as long as I don't think they're going to last. You'll see the elite long. coaches either retiring like Nick Saban or moving to the NFL because the, yes. you can't keep up with recruiting right now. I was I was just listening to some audio from Oklahoma State and it but it was the basketball coach but he was saying, you know, we're it, the days of being able to like convince a kid through recruiting and making these relationships and that's all over with now. He said, you know, I, there's guys that he was able to bring into their program and get them away from some of the blue blood programs in the country because of those relationships that he was able to build. And he's like, now, you know, someone can hand him $500,000. That's almost impossible to compete with. And that's, it's so disappointing. I mean, I think every college football fan hates that aspect of what's happening in in the direction that it's going I just don't know how we can get things back anywhere near where they were once you open Pandora's box it's awfully hard to go backwards I, I just don't see it happening and I just feel bad for the mid major schools if you yeah oh do a great job in recruiting the big boys miss on a guy you get him he has great success you lose him. Yep. It's almost like the movie Moneyball. The Oakland A's have these players. They can't afford them when they get really, really good, so they become like a farm system for the New York Yankees because the Yankees swoop in and pay these guys big bucks. But, yeah, I think you're right. There's going to be a lot of coaches that may not last as long because the stress and mm-hmm. the wear and tear is just going to be so much. The NFL, that's the place to be. Now, granted, there's pressure to win. You may get one, two, three years, and that's it in the NFL, but the money is good. You have to worry about the draft, but you have all the front office to really take care of all the the deep dives into that. And you've got reduced training camps now. You're not as active because of the new collective bargaining agreement, so you don't work as much. So the NFL seems like, I don't want to say a cozier job, but compared to everything college coaches have to deal with now, you earn every penny of what you make as a college football coach. I've talked to some former Notre Dame football players who had were considering getting into coaching, and uh, one in particular had said there is no way he would go into college coaching if he was ever going to do it. It would be his goal would be NFL exclusively because yeah. of recruiting. You're recruiting, and this was before all of the transfer portal went nuts and the NIL money and how much that's changed everything. He said it's just it's your entire life. You're on the road. You're you're not with your family, and it's it would be so taxing on you. And then to do it, I mean, think about how someone like a, a Nick Saban or these guys that have been around for 30 years and doing this, I, I I don't blame them for now wanting to to make a change or finally retire. Yeah, Saban said this year absolutely worn him out like no other season before, and he just didn't feel like he could do what he needed to do in the coming years to stay the football coach. He has a high standard, and it has to be done his way, and he couldn't do it, so he walked away. But That team came a long way from where they were in early September when Tyler Buckner started a game at quarterback when they were down playing, was it 
not Central Florida, South Florida, maybe. It was one of the two. And that was an absolute disaster. And they went back to Milrow and and they figured it out. They got to the playoff. Good for them. So back to our question, if there was a Notre Dame legend since 2000 theme cover for the upcoming EA Sports College Football 25 video game, of these four choices, who would you choose? So I offered you receiver Michael Floyd. I just explained why I picked him. Quarterback Brady Quinn. That was great research that he was a 97 overall player. That I don't know how you found that, but I give you credit for that. It's really good. The other, I believe it was an athletic article, so I didn't do the, like, okay. the, the, I read it in an article. Don't give me too much credit. I thought you went to a video store, <laughs> bought the 07 version, and started playing. <laughs> Offensive lineman Quentin Nelson or linebacker Manti Teo. So you went with Q. Yeah. I like that. Him on the cover. A little bit be, different. I mean, him on the cover with a growl on his face yes. and pancaking somebody. Okay, we put it to the test on my Twitter X account at 960 Sportsbeat. Here are the results. Coming in fourth place, getting 3.4% of the vote was Michael Floyd. Oh, okay. Remind me, I got to tell you a story from yesterday's, uh, Friday's Twitter question of the day. See if you're surprised. Okay. Third place, getting 12.7% is Big Q. Yeah. Quentin Nelson. I didn't necessarily think anybody else would think that. That was just, I thought it'd be cool. Never had an offensive lineman on the cover. Coming in second place... Was it Brady Quinn or Manti Teo? What do you think? Manti. You think he's in second? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Second place with 34% of the vote. He wore number 10 for the Fighting Irish. Brady Quinn. Quarterback Brady Quinn. Interesting. And Manti got 50% of the vote. Wow. Well, good for them. I I like that. I mean, that's an interesting choice, especially after all the, you know what, he went through. I think maybe there's a, yes, a love for him. Everybody has put their arms around each other. Yep. Put their arms around Manti. I mean, every time now he's at Notre Dame Stadium, he gets a massive ovation from the fans. I I think the Netflix documentary really helped Manti explain his side of the story and I think that turned the corner and getting Manti back here yes and I think Manti getting that reaction for the first time remember he was very emotional on the field and why not all he went through here at Notre Dame all that he gave I mean when it comes to pure talent and playing on the field and the kind of leader he was all that other stuff aside uh, he was spectacular he was amazing to cover I was here during that time frame I was there for his post-game interviews I was there as he discussed his girlfriend passing away I I was there for all of that but he was he was a special player here and Notre Dame was lucky to have him and I'm glad that he's able to uh, you know I mean that ruined his life that for a while for a long time and that would be very difficult to overcome so I do feel for him uh, it, and the like you said, the Netflix documentary allowed us to see how it was possible that it happened in the first place. Because that was the big question I think for so long was like how how could you how could that happen? How could you be duped like that? And how could you never see a girlfriend in person ever in all of that time frame? But where he came from and the community that he lived in, and he he was almost so sheltered that he was like a almost like a little kid in a way. Yeah, I'll never forget this. Won't say my source, but about a month and a half or two months before this story came out, someone told me that Manti's girlfriend is fake. And I'm like, (gasps) what? Wow. And they just said, just see if the story unfolds. And they were exactly right. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, you know, there's been criticism, too, on the media, and I, I take this personally because I was part of it. Oh, Eric Hansen was in the middle of it. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I love hearing everything that Eric has to say about it. I love Eric in general. Yep. But, uh, you know, yes, we do need to do our due diligence, and yes, you do need to do your research on things, but something like a girlfriend of a player, like, there was just no reason to not believe him. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's absolutely no reason to think that he's lying or that – this person didn't exist because well, and especially at that time, there was nothing like that that had ever really happened before. So we had no reason to think otherwise. Yeah. That was just bizarre leading into the national championship. Yes. game. I mean, this, the storybook season and I think, was it Deadspin that put the story out? We got a copy of it like 30 minutes before Sportsbeat and I read it five times and I was like, I can't wrap my head around it. We talked our way through it on the air trying to figure out what in the world was going on because none of it made sense. No. It really did not make sense. So we just had a counseling session amongst ourselves <laughs> as hosts and just reading this story and trying to figure out what in the world happened. But, you know, I'm just so happy it it turned out great for Manti. The love of the Notre Dame family showed to him and his family and how he was just so emotional, soaking in the cheers. Awesome. Do we know what he does now, like career-wise? Because obviously he doesn't play football anymore. I'm not sure. Yeah, I wonder what he does. Because you have to make a living somehow, so I just wonder what. He was hanging out with Tony Finau at a PGA Tour stop in Hawaii back in January. I guess they're they're friends. But, yeah, I, I don't know what. He does now. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. All right. So Friday's question was basically the same thing about a cover photo for the new video game, if it's Notre Dame. And this was among people on the team right now. And oh. I gave four choices. Xavier Watts, Benjamin Morrison, Riley Leonard, Marcus Freeman. Freeman uh, won. Yeah. And here's the part I'm wondering if you're surprised. Riley Linder got 3% of the vote. I'm not surprised by that because no. he doesn't feel like he's a, he's never played in a Notre Dame uniform okay. yet. So to crown him as the, I mean, he will be if he wins, and he most likely will win the starting job. You then, yes, you crown him and he's the face of your franchise. But right now, today, he's not. In this summer, he's not. And Marcus Freeman definitely is. Although I do like the Xavier Watts one. Do you think, hypothetically, if I ask this question, but Sam Hartman had a successful transfer to Notre Dame, do you think Riley Leonard's vote total would have been higher? Ooh. Because I think there is buyer yes. beware after the Hartman experience. Yes. Like, this guy's not as good a passer, but he's a great runner, and he's got this upside where he could be a high NFL draft pick. But I just wonder if it's buyers beware that if Hartman had great success all year, hundred percent, would Riley Leonard have maybe thirty percent of the vote rather than three percent? Yes, I think that's an excellent point, and that's even why I'm saying it because we were hundred percent bought in with Sam Hartman before he played for Notre Dame and before things trans or. Yeah. unfolded the way they did. So, yeah, for sure. I, I think that you do have that caution now of like, whoa, maybe we don't bet the farm on this guy. Let's see what he does first. Bizarre. Just bizarre. I, I just can't imagine a Notre Dame quarterback getting 3% of the vote right. in anything, in anything. But that was the case. All right, here is today's question that you can vote on my Twitter X account at 960 Sports. This is kind of a fun one. I'm just curious where people are going to go because – 
there's a lot of different ways to look at this. So here's the question. If you could achieve your Notre Dame dream position, of these four choices, what would you choose? Okay? So this is a dream scenario. You can have one. Would you want to be the quarterback? Which could mean NIL. I'm sure the girls are interested in the quarterback at Notre Dame. That's a plus. So quarterback. Choice number two, the head football coach which financially would be a nice position to have. Choice number three, the athletics director. Again, financially, but the stress, I can't imagine. And the fourth, maybe you just want to be on the fringe of the program and get the free food and the free ticket to all the games <laughs> and be a media member. So I if, love that you included that. Well, who wouldn't want to be Eric Hansen again? You're I right. mean, my gosh, he lives the rock star life. So if you could achieve your Notre Dame dream position, which direction would you go? Quarterback, head football coach, AD, or again, you get to go to all the games, which everybody would love to do with the delicious food we have and the replays, and be a media member. So I'm really curious how this is going to pan out. So your answer would be? My answer would be, well, first of all, let me say, I have enjoyed being a media member. And I do think that has the most longevity but we don't make any money, <laughs> at least compared to the rest of the people on that list. Uh, but we definitely have the most longevity. We've I've outlived every one of these positions now, and I've been around <laughs> since 2004. You've been here longer than that. So we, we have the most longevity. But I would say, me personally, quarterback all day, every day. What a dream come true to not only be just a college athlete. I got to be a college athlete for a very short time at a junior college as a tennis player, and it had a lot of benefits and perks, and I enjoyed it. But to be the quarterback, the quarterback at Notre Dame, whoo, man, oh, man, I, that that's a dream come true, and that's a lifetime. You'll ride those coattails, yeah. especially if you're any good. If you're any good at all, that's something that will last you an entire lifetime. AD was quickly... Oh, yeah, way too much work, too too stressful. Absolutely. No, thank you. Head football coach, quarterback. I think it would be fun to be the quarterback with all the things that come with it. Media member would be my second choice. Really? It's fun being just on the fringe of everything. So, yeah, I think quarterback would still be my choice. You can vote on my Twitter X account at 960 Sportsbeat. Results tomorrow. Quick timeout. Sportsbeat continues next on WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Allison Hayes from ABC 57 alongside. You've got a busy weekend. Yeah, I'm heading down to uh, Indianapolis for the IHSAA Girls State Championships. Once again, I've been doing this for several years now as the sideline reporter for the state finals games. And I've got the 1A and 2A games. So I've got Lanesville versus Marquette Catholic at 10.30 a.m. And then the 2A game, Brownstown Central versus Fort Wayne Bishop Lures. That'll be, you know, 12.30, 1 o'clock. And uh, those games are all streaming on the IHSAA website 
$15 per game or $20 for all four. That's not a bad price, but, you know, we're all used to used to be able to watch it on WHME for free. Yeah. And so it's still sad that you can't get those for free anymore. But if you're interested and want to watch those games, they are streaming IHSAA.org. All right. Very good. And then I had one more topic I wanted. Uh-oh. I have a bone to pick with you after Uh-oh. our last week's conversation. Our Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey yeah. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I We were talking about how disappointing it was the way that Travis Kelsey had behaved on the sideline and bumping his coach. And then you threw it out there. Well, what's worse? Is it worse as a role model to do what Travis did with Andy Reid or... To be Taylor Swift up there chugging a beer. And I, at the time, I was like, well, that is a very good point. That is a good point. In her defense now, and I'm hoping your girlfriend does send you a text message with an eye roll on this, but I saw (laughs) that people have been questioning and giving Taylor Swift a hard time about her drinking in public and in the public eye. And her, in her defense, she said, hey, I am an adult. Sure. I am drinking in public as an adult, and she's not getting totally outrageous and crazy like a Britney Spears. She's not throwing <laughs> out of umbrellas and shaving her head. She's just going out there as an adult, living her best life, and celebrating a, a Super Bowl championship with her boyfriend. I, I thought that was a good point to make because, yes, she is a 20-plus-year-old adult woman who is having an a legal adult beverage out with her friends and watching games, which a lot of us do. Travis, on the other hand physically touched a coach on the sideline and it was just an act of poor sportsmanship and he apologized he's he, he apologized he i'm not hating out. on him yep. anymore on it at all but i just i'm more or less i just brought this up because <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting because i just read that from taylor today that people are coming at her now about drinking and so she says hey man i'm 21 years old i, I can do that i i'm not not my my point was the 8, the 9, the 10, the 11, the 12-year-olds. Right. Right. She has every right to do that. And she should be <laughs> able to do it, honestly. All right. Good to see you. We'll talk to you again Thank next you. week. 559 Sportspeak continues next on WSBT. Notre Dame football recruiting talk is next. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass, Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass, Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.